Hello, welcome to our women's meeting. There's a group of women and men here that we get together because we are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom of God, in the power, like we talked about this morning, the king, the gospel, the gospel is with power. The kingdom of the gospel is with power. It is not just in words, it is in power. And that's what we're endeavoring to get for ourselves. Let's open up with prayer. My heavenly father, I thank you. My heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, Father, grant a spirit of grace on this meeting. Grant a spirit of grace on this meeting. Grant a spirit of grace. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My child, you think in your heart and you say with your mouth, does God see? Does he even know I'm here? I am a God. I am the God I see in secret. There is nothing hid from my eyes. I see every tear. I see every prayer. I hear your words. And I will tell you this. You keep believing me. You keep pressing into my kingdom. You keep doing the things you want to do to walk with me. And I will reward you openly, saith the Lord. How beautiful. How beautiful. We are talking today about how Jesus walked. If you will turn with me to 1 John 2, 6. I want to tell you that most of the devices that I know that I've talked to, there is a, a, a setting on your device that when I go to the Word of God, you can still see me, the video of me in the corner. You can go ahead and set it there if you want. And if you don't want to see me, I understand. Let's go to the Word. We're going to go to 1 John 2, 6. And we're going to read it. He that saith, he abideth in him. And that is in Jesus. He that saith, he abideth in Jesus. Ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Let's look at that again. He that saith, he abideth in Jesus. And how many of us say, oh, I walk with Jesus. Oh, I love him with all my heart. Oh, every time that door is open on Sunday, I'm there. That he that saith that he abideth in Jesus, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Do you see how you can tell if you're abiding in Jesus? You walk like he walked. And the flip side of this is if Jesus said that you had to walk like he walked, then everything he did, we can do. Then everything he did, we can do. Otherwise, this word that cannot be broken would be a lie. And Jesus does not lie. I want us to go to John 15. Because we're going to talk today about how Jesus handled persecution. John 15, verse 20. How Jesus did it. Oh, excuse me. John 15, verse 20. There we go. Verse 20. Jesus speaking. Remember the word that I said unto you. That the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Let's take a look at this again. Remember the word that I said unto you. So Jesus had already told the disciples this. The servant is not greater than his Lord. So you will never be greater than Jesus. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Do you see that? So if we're going to walk like Jesus walked, we are going to be persecuted. And if you think that you can walk like Jesus walked and never 
and never be persecuted. You are saying that you are greater than your master, and that cannot be. We are going to be persecuted. That is part of the walk with Jesus. He said that the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The nice thing is, if they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Now, how did Jesus handle persecution? Because we're going to, if we're going to walk like Jesus, we want to know. We want to know how he handled it. Jesus, how did you handle this? I want us to go to 1 Peter. And we're going to go to chapter 2. Because it tells, Peter tells us exactly how. Jesus handled persecution. Chapter 2, verse 21. And if anybody would know, if anybody would know, it was Peter. And you know, you're going to see I have this highlighted. Yes. It says, for even thereunto were you called. Let's go back up a little bit. Okay. It says, verse 18, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. You know, some of us, some of us, God has put into jobs and we have, we have employers that aren't angels. Well, let's see how we handle those servants. Be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. You mean Jesus would give me a job where my boss isn't nice? Verse 19, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully it's thankworthy you get brownie points 20 for what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults you take it patiently but if when you do well you suffer for it you take it patiently this is acceptable with god peter is telling us here look out folks because here it comes and how do we handle it? Verse 21, for even here unto were you called. I have to say this, you mean God would call me to have an employer or to deal with customers or situations that they're not nice? It says here unto were you called. Why? Because we're gonna walk like Jesus. Because if we say that we abide in him, then we have to walk like he did. Well, for us to do that, God is going to have to put us in situations where we have this. Because Christ, verse 21, also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Here we go. How do we handle it? Verse 22, who did no sin, Another with guile found in his mouth. Verse 23, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Do you see how our Savior handled this? When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. You never heard Jesus say, well, I'm going to quit. You never heard Jesus say, well, I'm just going somewhere else. You never heard Jesus say, well, I'm going to report you. He never threatened. But he committed himself to him that judges righteously. Jesus committed himself to him, the father that judges righteously. Do you know? that God is, has power over all flesh. Did you know that? If you knew that, then this situation, these situations won't be so hard. If you know that God is God and that he has all power and he has power over all flesh and he is the father of spirits, if you know that, then you can commit yourself to him that judges righteously. And you know that God loves you. And you know that if you need corrected, he will correct you. And he won't kill you in the process. Oh, there are situations that we know we have to get out. We have to get out. 
that you will know and hear when it's time to get out. But we know that Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again. That is a glorious thing to know that you can keep your mouth quiet and take it. You know that's Jesus in you. And you know when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. We're going to take a look at some of those situations now. All right, um, we're going to go to, let's go to Luke 4. We're going to see about the first time that Jesus was that Jesus suffered persecution. Luke 4. And we're going to go to verse 16. Verse 16, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is after the 40 days in the wilderness. He said he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He went back to his hometown. And as his custom was, he went in to the Sabbath, uh, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider this. It says, as was his custom. As was his custom. This is what Jesus usually did on the Sabbath days. Everybody knew him. This was his hometown. And they knew that he would come into the synagogue and he would read. But today, something different. Today is different. There's something different. What was it? Jesus had just come out of the wilderness. He had been, been given full of the Holy Ghost. And then God directed him, drove him into the wilderness to learn how to walk in the spirit, not just before the Holy Ghost, not just before the spirit, but to walk in it. So he spent 40 days in the wilderness learning how to walk in the power. Now he comes out. Now he comes out. And let's say, let's see what happens now that he comes out. Verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He didn't close his eyes and open up the book to wherever it dropped. No, he found the place where it was written. And he read and he spoke, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The father anointed him to do this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, he, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, crushed, hurt, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I, wanna, I want to point out something to you. Let's look at these words again. The Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Is there anything bad about that? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Is there anything bad about that? To preach deliverance to the captives. Do you see anything wrong with that? And the recovering of sight to the blind. Isn't that a good thing? and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Can you see anything wrong in these words to preach the acceptable, acceptable year of the Lord? And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The first, the first, first sermon Jesus preached this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of this, his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do here in thy country. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. That's the word of God. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them, none of the Israelites, 
where they sent was these Elias sent, saved to Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many leopards were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, save Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these gracious words, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Were filled with wrath. And rose up, thrust him out of the city, led him under the brow of the hill wherein the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Why? Because he was telling them the truth. Because he was telling them the truth. The words he read were from the word of God. He was telling them the truth. And they wanted to kill him and cast him down headlong. And how did Jesus handle it? Did he threaten? Did he revile back? I love this. Verse 30. He passed through the midst of them. And so went his way. How could he do that? We learned that last week. He walked in obedience to the Father. He only spoke what the Father told him to speak. He only did what the Father told him to do. He committed himself to the Father. He was doing the Father's will. Oh, if we would only see the power in staying in the will of God. When we stay in that will, then nothing can get to us unless the Father wants it to. And even then, that's good news. All right. Now, we're going to go to John 5, 15. And we're going to see Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. John 5, 15. This is the man that had the infirmary, infirmity. Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda. And he told the man... Uh, the man was sick 30, 38 years. 38 years was the man sick. And Jesus went up to him and he said, will that be made whole? And the sick man said, every time that water stirs, and you know, I, I try to get down there, but somebody always beats me to there and they get healed first. So Jesus tells the man, get on thy feet, take up thy bed and walk. Get out of here. And the man was immediately strengthened. He picked up his bed and he walked off healed. Healed, 38 years, sick, lame, 38 years. You know what that shows us, folks? It doesn't matter how long you've been sick. Jesus doesn't deal in years. Jesus never says, you've been sick too long. I can't do anything now. This man, 38 years, and Jesus healed him. Now, let's go to verse 15. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which made him whole. Therefore, did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. And you know who these were, the Jews? They were the religious leaders. The religious leaders. M most of Jesus' persecution were from the very people that should have seen him coming, that should have understood his being there. They knew the scriptures. They should have been the very ones that accepted him, but they weren't. They weren't right. Why? Because of their hearts. Jesus said, Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, verse 18, because not, oh, I'm sorry, verse 17. But Jesus answered them and said, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. So Jesus told him right there, I'm not the one that healed the guy. The father in me healed him. Therefore, the, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because not only had it broken the Sabbath. You know, the, the Jews under the law said you couldn't do anything under the Sabbath. Don't do anything under the the Sabbath. You can't heal anybody on the Sabbath. And Jesus, and so that's why they wanted him killed, not only because he had broken the Sabbath, but he said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Isn't that amazing? That's how they persecuted Jesus, because, and he said to them later, he said, judge righteous judgment. They couldn't judge 
with mercy. They couldn't judge with the word. They couldn't judge righteous judgment. Jesus even brought it up later. He said, uh, because, of the, because of Moses, we circumcise on the eighth day. And if the eighth day is on the Sabbath, we circumcise them anyway. But they couldn't see that. All right. Now, let's go to verse, let's go to Luke 20. Let's go to Luke 20. And we're going to go to verse 19. This is amazing. You will find when you start walking with God, and, and when we go back to, we consider Luke 4, you know, every, you, you go to church every Sunday. You, you, you walk, you have all these friends. Everything is just smooth and peaceful until you start walking with God, until you are baptized in the Holy Ghost and you make the effort to walk with God. And then all hell breaks loose. And that's what happened with Jesus in Luke 4. They were custom to him, coming in and reading. There's not a problem with reading the scriptures. All know, but this time, this time he comes in the spirit of God and they all want to kill him. You know what? If that's the way Jesus walked, that's going to happen to us too. I tell you what, when I started really walking with God, I lost a lot of friends. But you know what? Then they must not have been my friends because they didn't want me to walk with God. They didn't want me to walk in that gospel, in the power that God gave everyone. They didn't want me to do that. So then comes the trouble. I had persecution from my family. I had persecution from my father, from my mother, from my sister, from my brother. Persecution. But you know what? We walked through that. And now they're my friends again. Amen. Now, this uh, Luke 20, verse 19. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. And he had he talked about the, the, the vineyard and how they cast him out and the sun came. Now, verse 20, and they watched him. They watched Jesus. Oh, yeah, and sent forth spies which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words so they might deliver him into the power and authority of the governor. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now they're going to get you at your words. Now they're going to they're going to come to you like like they're for you and they're going to start asking you questions. Why? Because they want to trip you up with your words. You know that used to really bother me. Because I didn't ever think that I was as smart as some people were. And and I've had people do that to me, ask me questions, try to put me in a corner. But you know what the wonderful thing is when you walk in the will of God, when you walk in the spirit, he gives you the words. He gives you the words. And we'll see right here, God gave Jesus the words. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus said, I don't speak my own things. I only speak what the father tells me. Oh, hallelujah because we're not up there as smart as Jesus, but that spirit in us is the same spirit that's in him and he'll give us the words. Let's look back at that. And they asked him saying, master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. Oh yeah. Neither accepts thou the person of any, but teaches the word of God truly. And then they come with the question, is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But Jesus perceived their craftiness. Why? The spirit of God told him, and he said unto them, why tempt you me? This is the spirit in Jesus. And you know what? That same spirit's in us. It is so wonderful. We don't have to rely on our own brains. We don't have to rely on our own heart. We have the spirit of Jesus and the Holy Ghost in us. And Jesus said, show me a penny. Whose image and superscription has it? And the religious leaders and the spies answered, Caesar's. And look what Jesus answered. He said, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people. And they marveled at his answer and held their peace. 
you know what? They shut their mouths. They couldn't argue. That's, that's what happens with us when we walk with Jesus and we commit ourselves unto him that judges righteously and we walk in the spirit. Let's go. Let's go to Luke 23. What happens? What happens when they lie? What do we do when they lie? All right, we are going to go to Luke 23. And we're going to go to verse 12. Oh, I, I missed it. That's it. 23, verse 2. We'll just swing back up there. 23, verse 2. And the whole multitude, this is when they arrest Jesus and they bring him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, This fellow perverteth the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying he himself is Christ the king. Did he ever say that? Did he ever say that in his walk, in all his speaking to the crowds? Did he ever say to stop, to, to forbid to give tribute to Caesar? No. In fact, he said the opposite. He told Peter, Go get that fish's mouth, and inside you'll find enough money to pay our temple tax and your, my temple tax and yours. Jesus paid taxes. Did you know that? Yeah, Jesus paid taxes, and he told us to. Now, but they're lying. They're lying. They blatant lies. That's persecution. What do you do? You commit yourself to him that judges righteously. You commit yourself to him that judges righteously. The whole world may think that you're living a lie, but God knows, God knows. As he said in the beginning of this meeting, he sees in secret. There is a confidence, there is a confidence when you know that God knows the situation. There is a confidence, there is a peace when you know you are in the will of God. There is a peace. It passes all understanding. The whole world may be screaming at you, telling you that it's a lie. And there is peace and confidence with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Mark 14, verse 55. Another instance. Mark 14, this is Jesus also in front of the council. And it says 55, and the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none, found none. And many bear false witness against him, many liars, but their witness agreed not together. And there was a certain arose that bear false witness against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple. It is made with hands, and in three days, I will build another made without, with, without hands. You know, Jesus did say that. He said that, but he was referring to his body. They thought he was referring to the building. He was referring to his body. But you know what? It, it, this is beautiful. Let's go back to this. Let's go back to this. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee. But Jesus held his peace and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, art thou the Christ, the son of the blessed? Now they had just finished barraging him with lies. Barraging him with lies. How did Jesus handle it? By doing the will of the father. We know, we know that Jesus was crucified from before the foundation of the earth. We know that. And how did Jesus answer him? He said, art thou the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. I am. Do you see that? They did everything they could to lie to get him crucified. But Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. Their lies weren't working. Their lies weren't working. They wouldn't agree. So you know what Jesus does? He gives it to them. He gives them the answer they were looking for. Why? Jesus had to get to the cross. He had 
to get to the cross. And he gave them the ammunition to get him to the cross. He was doing the will of the Father. He was doing the will of the Father. Do you see how important it is to do the will of the Father? All right, I want us to go to Luke 23. We're going to see another instance. Luke 23, what happens when we're persecuted? What happens when we're persecuted? If we're going to walk like Jesus, we're going to walk like he walked, we're going to be persecuted. Look at this verse. Isn't it amazing? And it says that the same day, the same day that Jesus was in front of Herod, the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for they were at enmity between themselves. They were at enmity between themselves. They didn't get along. They were enemies until they teamed up together on Jesus. You know, you will find that in your walk, in your, in your walking, in your suffering, in your walking in the kingdom, you will find that enemies will join up together to come after you. Why? It's the spirit in them and it's the spirit in you. You have the spirit of Jesus in you. You have the Holy Ghost in you and the devil doesn't like you. And he will even put enemies together to team up against you. I have had it happen when I was teaching. It was amazing. Two people, two teachers that I taught with that did not get along. When it came time to persecute me, they became best buddies. But Jesus committed himself to him that judges righteously. And God was my, God was my source. And God got me out of the whole situation. And you know what happened with me after the situation? I was a whole lot stronger. Jesus puts us in this to make, to make us use our faith and we come out. We come out a whole lot stronger. All right, I want us to go to Mark 15. Mark 15. Verse 10. Why do we get some of our persecution? Verse 10 makes it very easy. This is Pilate. And it says, um, let's begin in verse 7. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with him, that had an insurrection with him, that had committed murder in the insurrection. And a multitude crying aloud began to desire to him to do as ever done to them. But Pilate answered, will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And then look at verse 10. For he knew, he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. For envy. Even Pilate knew that they had delivered him for envy. You're going to have to deal with envy if you walk with God. And what do you do? You do the will of God. And you commit yourself to him that judges righteously. And you stay at peace in the spirit. You stay in peace in the spirit. You know, God brings up a certain situation with me that there was a time that, that I was having to deal with this. And I didn't know exactly how to handle it. And I was talking to Doyle, the president of our organization, a prophet. And, 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 I was, and it wasn't anybody here at Water of Life. I was talking to him about another situation. And he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, Kathy, he said, don't you lose your crown. Don't you lose your crown. You know what he was telling me? Don't you bow down to them. Don't you bow down to them. You know, we think that it is Humility sometimes to give up what, what God had given us to, to, okay, I'll give it to you. But, G, but Doyle said, don't you lose. That's it. Don't you lose your crown. You cannot, you cannot change somebody else's heart. The only one to do that is Jesus. So you walk on committing yourself to him that judges righteously, that judges righteously and you will find you will find this persecution you will find in the end it is a blessed blessed thing 
Now let's go with, uh, let's go to John six. I only have a couple more left, but I want us to see how Jesus handled this. John six, verse 70. John six, verse 70. I'm gonna begin in verse 66. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the 12, will you also go away? Said that to the disciples, all 12 of them. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered them and said, have not I chosen you 12? And one of you is a devil. Verse 71, he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the 12. I want us to consider that. Jesus said, I think it's in John, Jesus said that he knew that Judas was going to betray him from the very beginning. From the very beginning. Do you know that Judas walked with Jesus over three years? Do you know that Jesus chose him to be one of the 12 apostles? Do you know that Judas cast out devils? Do you know that Judas cast out devils? Do you know that Judas laid his hands on the sick and they recovered? He was one of the 12. Jesus sent him two by two out to preach the gospel. Do you know that Judas preached the gospel? And yet Jesus knew all along he was the one that was going to betray him. I love what Smith Wigglesworth made a point of saying. He said, Jesus never told anybody that he knew who Judas was. And he never told anybody why. Nobody got offended. Nobody got offended. You know, sometimes it is good to keep our mouths quiet so that those around us don't have to suffer having to deal with offense. Jesus never told the disciples who Judas was. Do you know, if you're going to walk like Jesus, if you're going to walk in his steps, if you have the Holy Ghost and you are born again, you have the spirit in you, you are going to find yourself having to deal with betrayal. You know, it's amazing, but I had a friend that was a friend of mine, a close friend since I was in third grade, eight years old. And we were best friends all through high school, best friends when I went through college, best friends when I got married. And then, and then somebody, they, somebody got their ear, told them some lies, and they became my enemy. You know what Jesus said? Rejoice. 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 Let's go to Matthew 5.10, and let's see what Jesus says to us about that. Matthew 5.10. And we'll end here. Verse, no, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, 10. This is Jesus speaking. This is a man that walked through all this. This is a man that walked it as a man. And it said, verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Did you know you were blessed? Did you know when everybody hates your guts at work, you're blessed? Do you know when your best friend betrays you, you're blessed? Do you know when you have people around you that envy you, you're blessed? Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what we want. That's what we're after. We're not after just standing up in church and saying, oh, how I love Jesus. No, we're after the kingdom. We're after the kingdom. The kingdom is with power. And we're not after the kingdom for our own selfish interests. No, we are after the kingdom because we know the kingdom will heal our loved ones. We know that the kingdom will cast out devils out of our family and us and others. 
That's why we want the kingdom. We want the compassion, the power of Jesus for those that are in need. That's why we want the kingdom. That's why we're blessed when we're persecuted. And blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and whisper behind your back and lie in broad daylight and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. You've got to make sure, you got to make sure it's Jesus' sake that you're getting persecuted for. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets were that were before you. You know, you've got to make sure that you're being persecuted for the sake of Jesus and not for your own self-righteousness. There are some that are persecuted because of their own self-righteousness. You don't get any reward for that. You don't get any reward for that. It has to be persecution for the kingdom of God's sake, for the sake of the kingdom. That persecution gets rewarded. That persecution brings blessings. Amen. Amen. And you know, we know that all the persecution that Jesus endured, the one thing he was after was to get to that cross. He was getting to the cross. There is where persecution was at its extreme. Crucifying a man that never did anything wrong. That's persecution. Crucifying a man that had never done anything wrong. But you know what the wonderful part about that persecution of the cross was? Jesus did it for the very people that were persecuting him. He went to the cross for the very people that hated him. He went to the cross for the very people that didn't want to follow him, like you and I. Like you and I, there is none good, no, not one. And he endured that cross for us. For us, he paid the price for us when we didn't ask. He paid the price of the crucifixion when we didn't deserve it. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway, because that was the only way you and I were going to be born again, that you and I had a future. That was the only way we were going to be saved. Don't you want that kingdom? Don't you want that power working in you? You have to have the spirit of Jesus to get that power. You have to have, you have to be born again before you can get the spirit of God in you, before you can get the Holy Ghost. And I want to pray for those that want to be born again. If you will pray with me, if you will pray the prayer with me, you will be born again. Because Jesus said, all those, those that ask, it shall be given. Let's pray. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Become Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Lead me. Guide me. Fix me, Jesus. Fix me. And I thank you for it. And I ask this in your name. Amen. 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 And I want to pray for those. I want to pray for those that want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. It says in Luke that if you ask the Father for the Holy Ghost, you ask and you will receive it. You're not going to receive a devil. If you ask the Father who is a million times greater than any devil, if you ask the Father, you will get the Holy Ghost, and you won't get anything else. Father, I thank you. I thank you for those that want your spirit. 
I thank you for those that are seeking your spirit. Thank you, Father, that it's a gift and you want them to have it. You sent Jesus to clean the vessel so they can have your gift. It's a gift, Father, and you want them to have it. Father, I thank you now for all those that want your Holy Ghost in them. You pour it into them right now. You pour that spirit into that vessel now in Jesus' name. That you pour your gift into them now in the name of Jesus, that you pour it into them. I thank you, Father. I thank you that you have filled them with your Holy Ghost. Now open your mouth and let the Holy Ghost speak in a language that you don't know. Oh, that's the power of God. Oh, he has so much power. He has so much power that he can speak out of you in a language that you don't learn. Amen. Pray with me. Speak in that tongue. Don't be afraid. Open your mouth. Nobody's around. Yes, it sounds like gibberish when you start, but let it pour out of you because it's the Holy Ghost speaking through you. Father, we magnify you. We praise you. We thank you for that gift. We thank you that you have given us the gift of the Holy Ghost. We thank you that it's poured out because of your love. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to pray for others. I want to pray for others. If you need prayer, if you will raise your hand on your screen so I can see, and I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. You know, there are some here, the Lord told me, and I told Doyle in the car this morning, there are some God wants to cast the spirit of rebellion out of you. You willing? Are you ready? God wants to cast that spirit of rebellion out of you. He wants to. Let's pray. My heavenly father, my heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you for the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I thank you for that power. I thank you for that power that raised Jesus from the dead. I thank you that that power threw off every devil, threw off every principality, power, might, and dominion. I thank you that power that raised Jesus from the dead threw off every spirit and power and principality that was on him. I thank you, Father, for that same power now. Father, I loose these people from that rebellion. I loose these people from rebellion. I loose these people from rebellion. I loose these children of yours from rebellion. I loose them from rebellion. I loose them from rebellion. Rebellion. Go in Jesus' name. Rebellion, go in Jesus' name. Rebellion, go in Jesus' name. I loose them. I loose them. I loose them from this rebellious spirit. I loose them. Go in Jesus' name. Go, 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 go in Jesus' name. I loose them. I loose them. I loose them. That rebellion that wants to run. I loose them in Jesus' name. I loose them. I loose them in Jesus' name. 
I loose them. Loose them, Father. Loose them in Jesus' name. Loose them. Loose them. Come out of them. Come out of them in the name of Jesus. Come out, you rebellious spirit. Come out. Come out, you rebellious spirit. Come out. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out, you rebellious spirit. Come out. You've been in there since their mother's womb. Come out, you rebellion. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out by the blood of Jesus in Jesus' name. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out. There was blood shed. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out. Come out. Loose them. Come out. Come out. Amen. 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 Now, I believe the Father wants me to pray somebody is in pain. Maybe more than one. There are some more than one that are in pain. I want to say this. Jesus said, surely, or Isaiah said, surely. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pain. I pray for those in pain, surely, surely, surely Jesus bore our pain. I thank you, Father. Surely Jesus bore our pain. Surely, surely, surely Jesus bore our pain. I command pain to go. Surely Jesus bore our pain. I command pain to leave in the name of Jesus. Surely he has borne our pain. Surely. Surely he has borne our pain. I command pain to leave in the name of Jesus, surely, surely he has borne our pain. Surely he has borne our pain. Surely I command all pain to leave. I command all pain to leave. Amen. Amen. If you need this again, Wait till I put it up and listen to it again and again, the prayer at the end, and join your faith with it and finish, finish if something needs finished. Amen? Amen. I thank you all. I thank you. Let me hear how you're doing. Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.